Omega Man Radio has been commissioned to invade deep into enemy territory, drive out the hosts of hell, and take back the land. Our mission is to preach Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the only name written under heaven by which men might be saved. Cast out demons and pray for the sick that they may be healed in Jesus' name. If this program is a blessing to you and you would like to take part in this harvest of men's souls, join with us and attack the hosts of hell by donating any amount online at www.omegamanradio.com Are you ready? Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. If you listen, we can hear God's plan. Because the show is about to begin. You're listening. You're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. everybody how y'all doing out there tonight hope you're doing good now what I'm going to be doing here is doing a special test and uh, let me get my camera back on here special test we're actually uh, doing StreamYard so welcome aboard wherever you're tuning in from and we're going to be doing a program called Evo Mux and I'm going to do that one on Rumble I don't know if it's possible to do what I want to do, which is uh, broadcast through two different software packages simultaneously. We'll find out. This might just crash horribly. We shall see. Let me know, though, for the moment, how the audio is coming through for you right there on YouTube. If you're getting any lag or it's okay, let me know. Praise the Lord. Brother Michael, how you doing? How you? Not too bad. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing okay. Just setting up over here. here. All right. Can you come any closer to your microphone? Yeah, I'm really. Can you hear me okay? Hang on. Let's just put this around. There you go. Ah, that's much better. Yes, sir. Okay, then. Okay, you got it. All right. Great. Folks, coming up next, we got Michael Cummins. He's going to be bringing a great teaching, and uh, I brought with me a little bit of iced cappuccino. What are you drinking over there, my friend? You drinking water, coffee, tea? What do you I got? D- I drink it all, really. I like uh, I like Diet Pepsi. I don't like Coke. I like Diet Pepsi. I like coffee, cappuccinos. Of course, the Italians don't agree with cappuccinos. They <laughs> uh, they believe they were invented by the Americans, but really? I love cappuccinos. I didn't know, know that. And I well, like strong tea, what they call workman's tea. When you go in the cafes and you see the labourers who come in off of, uh, uh, 
oil. They drink strong tea, and I like strong tea. I'm a teetotaler now. I don't have any alcohol. I was an alcoholic in my early 20s, so I don't touch any alcohol at all. Now, you know, it just made me think. Does the word teetotaler mean you drink tea only? No, I drink, I drink <laughs> water. No, I drink water, I drink coffee, and I drink soft drinks occasionally. Sure. I like I like Diet Pepsi, you know. Absolutely. But, uh, I was just thinking. You know, I thought that would be a good explanation for the word teetotaler. I mean, I know that it means you don't drink alcohol, but I just wondered if they had just made a decision to drink tea only. So, here we are. I think there are... I think there are people that drink tea only, and I think they drink various types of tea, oh. you know, Asiatic tea and okay. fruit teas and all that sort of thing, you know. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I like t I like tea that makes me shudder. When I take a mouthful of it, I shudder after. I know it's <laughs> nice and strong. Man. <laughs> Friends, we're excited to be here. This is a live program. Wednesday, February 8th. 2023 we're going to get started brother michael would you like to open us up in prayer today yes certainly dear lord god we come today and we're talking about ancestral and generational curses and i must apologize in advance if i offend anyone listening to this program today because i may be talking about things that are going to upset them but i say lord your word must be read every single word of the bible must be read and i pray now for anyone who doesn't understand the message today you will anoint them and you will give them clarity and we pray that there is only one person who's going to be hurt today and that is satan and we rebuke him we bind him we cancel him we destroy him we cast him down and cast him out today and all generational curses will be broken today in jesus name amen amen my friend the mic is yours you have all the time you like thank you very much well hello to all of you it's lovely to be with you again it's freezing cold in england we're supposed to be having a what they call the beast from the east a massive snow blast. We hope it doesn't come, and I hope it's fair and nice and warm where you are. We're going to talk about ancestral and generational curses today, and this subject is much, dispute, much disputed in the Christian church. Some people don't believe in it at all. Some people put it down for everything that has gone wrong in their lives. So we're going to start by reading Deuteronomy 18, verses 9 to 14, which is God speaking to his people through Moses the prophet. This is in the book of Deuteronomy, which is the fourth book of Moses in what is called the Pentateuch, and I'll read it to you now. Deuteronomy 18, verses 9 to 14. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, Thou shalt not learn to do after these abominations of those nations. There shall be not found amongst you anyone that maketh his son or daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. For these nations which thou shalt 
possess, hearkened unto observers of times and unto diviners. But as for thee, the Lord thy God hath not suffered thee so to do. Amen. And God is warning his children, when you go into these lands, these lands of Canaan, with all those different races living in these lands, these are the things that they do. Now, God wants his people to be perfect. Now, in verse 13, it says, thou shalt be perfect. Let's have a look what some of these people do. They make their sons or daughters pass through the fire. There used to be a practice in these lands that they would make their sons and daughters pass through the fire to be sacrifices to honour the Canaanite god of Molech. They used divination, you know, divination. Divination today would be tarot cards, Ouija boards, that sort of thing, or an observer of times or an enchanter or a witch, that speaks for itself, or a charmer or a consulter with familiar spirits or a wizard, or a necromancer. In case you don't know, necromancy is consulting the dead. It is forbidden by God. You may remember that Saul went to see the witch of Endor, and he asked her to practice necromancy and bring up the soul of the prophet Samuel. For all that do these things are an abomination to the Lord. Now, an abomination is something that makes you feel sick. You're revolted by. And if God is revolted by these things, then it's a serious thing. We should never even contemplate taking part of any of these things. And I start there because God is laying down the rules to his people as they come into the land that he has promised us. Let's have a look bit further in Deuteronomy. Let's have a look at Deuteronomy 30 verses 17 to 19. Hallelujah. That's what it says. But if thine heart turn away so that thou wilt not hear, but thou shalt be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that you shall surely perish and that ye shall not prolong your days unto the land whither thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. So God is making it very, very clear that there's a curse of death. You will you lose your life. You shall be cursed of God if you enter into any of these things. Now we're going to go to the scripture that really covers generational curses. We're going to go to Exodus 34, verse 7, and we're going to see what it says, because this is the one that people home in on. Hallelujah. God says, keep in mercy for thousands, forgiven iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. Now, when you read that, what does that actually mean? That means, I believe, 
as God was speaking in those times, that if you practice witchcraft, you practice necromancy, you consult with the dead, you call up familiar spirits, then I believe that you are bringing a curse upon your family down to the third and fourth generation. Now, many Christians will say, well, this, well, what's this all about? How do I know what my ancestors have done? Many years ago, I was taking a West Indian woman through deliverance. And every time I prayed or come near her, she would shout and scream, fall on the floor and make strange noises. And one day, as I was praying for her, I believe the Holy Spirit said to me, ask her about a grandmother. And I said to this lady, tell me about your grandmother. And she said to me, my grandmother was a Sunday school teacher in Jamaica. So I said, okay. Next week I was praying for her again. She was manifesting very bad. And I said, tell me about your grandmother. And she said, you asked me that last week. What do you want to know about my grandmother? I said, I'm just being asked to ask you about your grandmother. She said, I told you before. My grandmother was a Sunday school teacher in a place called Montego Bay, which is in Jamaica. The next week, she came to me for about six weeks. The next week, I said, tell me about your grandmother. She got angry. She said, why are you persecuting my grandmother? Haven't I not told you before? My grandmother was a Sunday school teacher. The fourth week came. I said, tell me about your grandmother. She screamed at me. She yelled at me. She manifested very badly. On the fifth week, I said, tell me about your grandmother. She said, okay, okay, you win. My grandmother was a witch. You see, people don't want to think bad about their ancestors. People want to think that their ancestors was pastors or teachers or architects or engineers. People don't want to think that their forefathers was involved in anything which God would consider an abomination. So this is what God is talking about. This woman certainly had demons. She had demons, and she had lots of demons. Uh, one Sunday morning, she manifested very badly in church, and the service was really spent about trying to stop her from manifesting and screaming in the name of Jesus. Let's have a look. Let's go back a few verses and go to Exodus 20. Verses 5 and 6. What I want to do first is show you these scriptures that highlight ancestral curses. Exodus 20, verses 5 to 6. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. God looks upon this worship, if we're worshipping idols, if we're worshipping demons, if we're involved with the devil, he looks upon that as hatred. We have a loving God who looks after us. So why would we get involved in things that are so evil? I've got a couple more to give you. Hallelujah couple more we're going to go to numbers 14 verse 18 numbers 14 verse 18 
I'm sure this will help you, give you an idea, because God speaks about it regularly, about ancestral curses. It's not something that's just spoken about once. It's spoke about all the time. Numbers 14, verse 18, says, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. God is making a point when he says these things. God is making a point. We have to look and see what God says. So maybe ancestral curses are what happens when we worship incorrectly and we worship gods we shouldn't worship. Deuteronomy 5, verse 9. Again, it says something very similar. Thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Hallelujah. Let's go a bit further down. Deuteronomy. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 23, verse 2. Let's see what that says. Hallelujah. 23, verse 2. And this is very sad. So this is the one that I'm going to apologize for. If anyone hears this, this is the original King James language. Deuteronomy 23, verse 2. He said, A bastard shall not enter unto the congregation of the Lord, even to his tenth generation shall he not enter into the congregation of the Lord. And that speaks about sexual sin. And this is something that worries me greatly in the days we live in. I've had this in my own family. One of my daughters had a child outside wedlock with a man who had no intention to marry her. And she ended up bringing that child on her own. And she thought the child was born out of love, which she may have thought it was. But when we go back to these books of Moses, it says, who may not enter the congregation? And it speaks about illegitimacy. And certainly in those days, in the Old Testament, any child born outside wedlock was not allowed into the house of the Lord. And this is very serious because hundreds of thousands and millions of children all over the world are born outside wedlock because the blessing of marriage has been downgraded so much. You know, I went to a family once in southeast London, and they were a lovely family. They were actually Rastafarians, and uh, they were very nice. They were very kind. The children were lovely. The mother was deaf, and the husband was a raster with long dreadlocks down his back. But for some reason, they took to me and they used to ask me in for rice and peas and yam and uh, cooked banana and all these lovely things planting. And I used to have dinner with them. But I couldn't get them to see that marriage was a blessing for them and their children. They thought there was nothing wrong with the way they were living. I didn't want to offend them. I just said, you should read the Bible. 
but they had their own version of the Bible and they took scriptures they thought were pertinent to the Rastafarian religion. I'm going to read this again. Please don't let anyone get offended. In other versions of the Bible, it says an illegitimate child. Unfortunately, the original King James gets right between our eyes. A bastard shall not enter in the congregation of the Lord. Even to his 10th generation shall he not enter in the congregation of the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, there we go. There's some curses that come from certain behaviors. Now, let's have a look. One thing I want to talk about is learned behavior. When I was a child growing up, I used to adore my father and I used to hear him speak to other men and I used to hear him speak to my mother and some of the things he said I greatly admired. One of the things that I admired about him in the Second World War, he was in the London Fire Brigade, fighting the Luftwaffe and fighting the fires in the city of London. Uh, there was some American servicemen who came to London and they came and they visited army barracks, they visited fire stations, they visited, visited ambulance places. And one day a guy came and uh, there was a boxer who was doing a, an exhibition and his name was Joe Baskey. He was very famous in America. He was rated about number five in the world. He actually finished the career of that great movie actor, Jack Palance. Jack Palance was in the top 10 heavyweights in America and he fought Joe Baskey, who was a tremendous body puncher. And it actually finished uh, Jack Palance's career. Well, movies was the game from that because he made some fantastic movies. But they was asking for anyone to get in the ring and do an exhibition. And a lot of the London firemen said, go on, Bill. That was my dad saying, go on, Bill, you get in. You're Andy, you can do a bit. And he got in the ring with him and he, 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 he lasted a few rounds. And afterwards, Jack Baskey, uh, Joe Baskey said when he hit him, he said it was like hitting concrete. So my father used to boast about that all his life, that he did a couple of rounds with Joe Baskey. And when Joe Baskey hit him, he said it was like concrete. And I admired this. I want to be a boxer. I want to be tough like my old man, you know. And my mother and father, though they were wonderful people and I loved them dearly, they were never good examples to me and my two sisters. We only found out a few years ago that they were actually married. My eldest sister, who lives in Melbourne in Australia, was convinced that we was all born out of wedlock. And I went through some old papers one day and I found the wedding certificate in 1936 in a registry office in Peckham, which is in southeast London. And I grew up and I thought my father was wonderful. And I listened to all his stories and I used to see him smoke a cigarette with admiration. I used to see him writing out his betting slips to pick horses with a you know, and he was an aggressive man. And if anyone picked on him, he saw, he put people in their place. And my mother was very tough. My mother was tough. And one day a policeman, uh, I had a, a nephew who was born out of wedlock and he came to live with us because my sister went to work in Belgium and got away after having a child outside wedlock. The father, the father was an American soldier. And he 
wanted to marry my sister, but my sister didn't want to leave England. She wanted to stay and live in England. So this boy was brought up with me. And I didn't know about his origins, and I used to pick him up from school. And one day, we was walking past, and there was a policeman that lived at the end of our road. And he insulted uh, my young nephew. He actually called him the word. He called him a bastard. And I didn't even know what the word meant. So I went home and made a mistake, and I told my mother what this man called him. My mother marched up the road, and this man was a London policeman. And he stood well over six foot. But my mother challenged him. And she really uh, intimidated him. And we went home expecting the police to come round and arrest my mother. But I think the truth was that this policeman could never say to his friends, I've been intimidated by a woman. So he let it go. So this is how I was brought up. And I never admired people who were weak people who were peacemakers. The Bible says, blessed be the peacemakers. I never admired them. I thought you had to overcome your enemy and crush him. And that's how I was brought up. And my mother and father, God bless them both. They were never uh, good examples to me. But I grew up and thankfully I did meet kind people who taught me a different different way to live and uh, I adopted that as I got older by the time I was 20 I was a heavy smoker a hard drinker and by the time I was 25 I was an alcoholic and I had to come off of alcohol and go through uh, all the withdrawal symptoms that go to it and all this was learnt behavior from those who were around me now if I hadn't have come to the Lord and I hadn't accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour. Next thing you know, if I'd have taught my sons these ways, then that ancestral curse would have gone down the next generation. And that's what learnt behaviour is. I've seen it with many people. Sons act like their fathers. Even grandsons act like their grandfathers. And it's all negative, and it's passed down the generational bloodline. We inherit many traits and preferences from our parents that aren't always a positive influence on ourselves and others. When we acquire a simple preferences belief from our parents that aren't that always a positive hang on just a second, my brother, on ourselves okay, and others. When we acquire a simple from our parents that aren't that always a positive hang on just a second, my brother. On ourselves okay, and others. When we acquire a simple from our parents that aren't that always a positive Hang on just a second, my brother. On ourselves okay, and others. When we acquire a simple from our Well, sorry about that. Hold on a second, folks. We're going to get Brother Michael back on. Brother Michael? Hiya. Hey. Are we all right now? We're okay now. Um, I apologize for that interruption. I was trying no, to no, get us on Telegram, and it backfired on me. I'll have to do a test another time. Um, okay. 
you're coming through great. We're live with Michael right. Cummins, and I apologize. Please pick up at any point you want. Lovely. Well, I'll start that paragraph again. When we inherit many traits and preferences from our parents that aren't always positive influence on ourselves or others, when we acquire a sinful habit or belief that negatively affects our lives or those around us, this is known as a generational curse. It is the shadow side of behavior passed down through the generations. But is it possible to break this cycle of suffering? Well, without Christ, we will never be able to break this cycle. It will just go on and on. It's only when we become Christians that we look at these things and realize they are wrong. Many people who look at the texts and scriptures covering generational curses sometimes take them out of context. They think they've inherited demons raging from anger, drug addiction, to alcohol, to laziness, to lust. A closer examination of this can see that if they have just continued their lives as their parents and grandparents did without Jesus, this is seriously flawed because what they're doing, they're passing down habits and beliefs to other generations. Hallelujah. Now, when we read the Bible, we know that if we live these lives, consequences are passed down to our families to come. If we're heavy smokers, for argument's sake, heavy smokers, and I used to smoke 40 cigarettes a day, and my children started smoking, then if one of them developed serious lung disease, respiratory disease, lung cancer, that would be a direct result of that learnt behaviour from me. Some people view that to be a generational curse. In this sense, the Bible says that children are punished for the sins of their father to the third and fourth generation. The children of alcoholic fathers frequently suffer neglect and abuse as direct consequence of their father's sinful behavior. Moreover, the descendants of those who hate God are more unlikely to follow in the footsteps of those who went before them. Hallelujah. But let's have a look at some scriptures now that give us a slightly different angle on things. And I have to tell you what I've got later, and I hope we have time to do it, I've got a generational curse on one of the most famous families in America that I'm going to share with you, which I believe is a generational curse. But it's time to look, time to confess our sins and break generational curses. Let's start off by looking at Leviticus 26, 39 to 42. Hallelujah. We praise the name of Jesus. I hope you're getting this, what I'm telling you now. I hope you're getting it. Before we go today, we will pray to break all ancestral and generational curses. Leviticus 26, verses 39 to 42. Hallelujah. And they that are left 
of you shall pine away in their iniquity in your enemies' lands, and also in the iniquities of their fathers shall they pine away with them. If they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers with their trespass which they trespassed against me, and that also they have walked contrary unto me, and that I also have walked contrary unto them, and have brought them into the land of their enemies. If then their uncircumcised hearts be humbled, and they that accept of punishment of their iniquity, then will I remember my covenant with Jacob, and also my covenant with Isaac, and also my covenant with Abraham. Will I remember? and I will remember their land. So there's something there that we should look upon because it turns around and says that we should be willing to confess our sins and also confess the sins of our fathers. Now, I remember seeing a powerful program once on Christian TV. There were some children of Holocaust survivors and they met in Tel Aviv and they were going to talk about their role as Holocaust survivors and if any of their parents were still alive what they thought of the Holocaust and there was a monk sitting there I don't know if he was a Franciscan monk or what monk he was but he was sitting there and he said much he was a German and he sat there and he talked to the people and he was very kind and he was very friendly with them and as the conversation went on, he stood up and revealed himself. He said he was the son of Martin Bormann, who was second in command to Adolf Hitler in the Third Reich. And of course, these Jewish people, a lot of them were ladies, they fell about. They were really, really distraught. They didn't know what to do. And he explained why he had taken holy orders and the guilt he felt. He also said that Adolf Hitler was his godfather, which is a really scary thing. Could you imagine having Adolf Hitler as your godfather? Hallelujah. And he told the people, he apologized to the people. He, he said that this was a curse upon himself. That's why he went in to become a monk. And gradually the people came close to him. He, he put his arms out to embrace them. And, you know, Jesus gives us a spirit of reconciliation. And these people reconcile. Hugged them and they cried and he did that. Another such thing was Corrie ten Boom, the famous Dutch woman who lived through the Second World War. And her father was a, a, a watchmaker and a clock repairer. And they used to go around the streets of Harlem in Holland and they used to go out with a large grandfather clock. And if there was any Jewish people that needed to go to safety, they would hide them in the grandfather clock. Anyway, somebody split on them and told the Germans what they was doing and they was all arrested. And Corey and her sister and her father was put in concentration camps a father and a sister died of typhus. And after the Second World War, Corey was preaching in Vienna, in Austria. And she was preaching. 
and she looked in the crowd and she saw a Nazi, someone that when she went to the concentration camp had been beastly to her and her sister. And this man was grinning at her and she was very, very upset and she moved back to the stage and she said, God said, embrace him. And she said, no, no, Lord, anything but that, anything but that. And the man came towards her and held his hands out and Corey was very reluctant. You see, this man said to her, I am now born again. I've confessed my sins. I've learned the errors of my way. And now will you embrace me and forgive me? And Corey Ten Boom hugged this man and he hugged her. And she said in her book that it was like liquid gold that fell all over her. She said she never felt so great in all her life and the God and the love touched her. So generational curses. That Nazi had generational curses, but because he came to the Lord, because he confessed his sins, because he repented, God delivered him from generational curses. And if that man had children and grandchildren, we assume that if they stayed with the Lord, that they're free of curses. You see, one of the problems with generational curses, you come to the Lord and you give your life to Jesus and you're free from the consequences of generational curses. But if your grandson, he decides to go away and reject Jesus and become something else, then those curses are back again. Let's have a look at Proverbs 26 verse 2. See if you can understand this. This is wonderful. As the bird by wandering as the swallow by flying, so the curse cause less shall not come. Hallelujah. Now, if you're living by God and you're living a born-again life and you're living and you're not evil, you're involved only in worshipping the Lord, then if someone curses you, someone picks on you, it won't mean anything. It won't mean anything at all. Hallelujah. Let's go to Ezekiel 18, verses 19 to 28. This is the scripture that causes people to deny that generational curses ever existed. But listen to it in its real context. Ezekiel 18, verses 19 to 28. And it says, as for his father... Because he cruelly oppressed, spoilt his brother by violence, and did that which is not good amongst his people, lo, even he shall die in his iniquity. Yet say ye, why doth not the son bear the iniquity of the father, when the son hath done that which is lawful and right, and hath kept all my statutes, and hath done them, he shall surely live. God is saying, the soul that sins that dies. Verse 20, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father. Neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him. And the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. But if a wicked man will turn from all his sins that he hath committed, and keep all my statutes, 
and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. All his transgressions that he hath committed, they shall not be mentioned unto him. In his righteousness that he hath done, shall he live. Have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, saith the Lord God, and not that he should return from his ways and live. But when the righteous turneth away from his righteousness and committed iniquity, and doeth according to all the abominations that the wicked man doeth, shall he live. All his righteousness that he hath done shall not be mentioned. In his trespass that he hath trespassed, and in his sin that he hath sinned, in them shall he die. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not equal. Hear now, O house of Israel, is not my way equal? Are not your ways unequal? When a righteous man turneth away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity and dieth in them for his iniquity that he shall, that he hath done, shall he die. Again, when the wicked man turneth away from his wickedness that he hath committed and doeth that which is lawful and right, he shall save his soul alive. Hallelujah. God is saying it's the soul that sins, that dies. And this is the born-again experience. This is what Jesus has done. A man may be sinful all his life, but he, if he turns from his sins and turns to God, his sins will not be counted against him. And again it says that if a righteous man who has been righteous all his life decides to turn away from righteousness, and decides to say, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm not going to live like this anymore. I'm going to have some fun. Then the good acts he's done in his life will not save him from hell. It shows you the mercy of God. It shows you how wonderful it is. Deuteronomy 24 verse 16 says, the fathers shall not be put to death for the children, and neither shall the children be put to death for the fathers. Every man shall be put to death for his own sin. Hallelujah. It shows you how wonderful and merciful the Lord is. We've got a couple of more scriptures that I want to read you. I'm, I hope you've got all this. It's the soul that sins that dies. God is so merciful. That if you turn to him and you repent your sins, you confess your sins, he will hear and he will deliver you. But if a righteous man thinks he can live forever on his righteousness, even if he decides to sin, he has turned over. He's gone from light into darkness. Jeremiah 31 verses 29 to 30. In those days... They shall say no more, the fathers have eaten a sour grape, and the children's teeth are set on edge. But every one shall die for his own iniquity. Every man that eateth the sour grape, his teeth shall be set on edge. Hallelujah. Two more scriptures left, and then I'm going to take you in to the generational curse which I've been studying 
of the family in America. You'll know the family when I speak of it. And I will show you where the generational curses have come from. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians 5, verses 17 to 18. And remember this, this scripture is powerful. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and have given us the ministry of reconciliation. You see, we are reconciled through Jesus Christ. So whatever sins we've committed, except one sin, the unpardonable sin, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, we can be forgiven. One more. Galatians 3.13. Listen to this. This is wonderful. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And our Lord and Saviour Jesus hangeth from a tree. So it gives you the idea of what the Bible says about generational curses. Now I'm going to tell you about this family, what I promised to tell you. Hallelujah. There's one of the most famous families in America, and you will know, is the family called Kennedy. And you will know through history, no family has probably suffered much as they have suffered. And I want to put before you what has happened is this just misfortune that's happened to this family or is it generational curses? Let's talk about the grandfather, Joe Kennedy, is the man we remember. Joe Kennedy rose to be the American ambassador to Great Britain, despite his dislike of the British being from Catholic Irish stock. As a young man, he broke the prohibition laws and shipped bootleg whiskey into the US from Ireland and worked with leading mafia crime lords, even that of Charlie Lucky Luciano, the top mafiosi in the US. Joe Kennedy made a fortune from his illicit bootlegging deals and he vowed to have a Kennedy in the White House one day as a president. Joe Kennedy married a saintly woman, Rose Kennedy, who was a devout Roman Catholic. I think she lived to 103, and he had this large family. He believed that American society was against them because no president of the United States had been a Roman Catholic. It was alleged as a young man that he raped the actress Gloria Swanson, the star of Sunset Boulevard, but was never arrested because his political influence was now growing. He could fix anything. When he was a US ambassador in the UK and France was overrun by the Nazis, he went back to the USA and he advised President Roosevelt to abandon Britain because they was already beaten. Thank God that President Roosevelt 
decided to support the British and Winston Churchill because he believed the best way to keep the USA out of a European war was to arm the British so they could stand against Hitler. He created a law called Lend-Lease where the British never bought arms and planes and warships from America. They lent them and leased them and they would pray later. Britain was forever grateful to President Roosevelt and the USA for supporting us in our time of need. When Joe's son JFK was showing great political ambition, he thought that by political chicanery, a Kennedy would be in the White House. The 1960 presidential election pitted JFK against Richard Nixon and they were running neck and neck. It was hard to say who would win. It was said that born-again believers and Christians naturally voted for Nixon because he was non-Catholic. I don't know if that's the truth, but that's what I read in a book. Joe Kennedy sought the help of another mafiosa, a man called Sam Giancana, a mafia godfather who was linked to Jimmy Hoffa, president of the Teamsters Trade Union, which was the biggest and most powerful union in America. The Teamsters members were asked to vote for JFK and the rest in history. The Kennedys had a man in the White House. I'm gonna stop there. I think that's told you enough about Joe Kennedy. And let's look at what happened to the generations of the Kennedy children. In 1941, a daughter, Rosemary Kennedy, was born suffering from a lack of oxygen, making her intelligently disabled. Joe Kennedy believed a lobotomy would restore her to full health. The operation was a disaster and she was left with a mental age of two. She spent the rest of her life away in mental institutions, hardly visited by the family, who thought her mental state would hinder their political ambition. That's the first thing. 1944, eldest son of Joe Kennedy Jr. who was killed in action Joe Sr. believed that his son would be the first Catholic U.S. president and had already begun a political career as the USA entered into World War II. He was posted to Britain as a pilot for the Navy. He flew top secret missions and in August 1944, a plane that he was flying was carrying explosives. The explosive detonated prematurely and he was killed. His plane was destroyed and he died at age 29. We only go on a few more years and there's Kathleen Kennedy. She was in Paris to visit her father who was there and to try and convince Joe Kennedy of the suitability of a new partner. The divorced Lord Fitzwilliam, an Englishman, the heir of the Duke of Devonshire's estate. 
They caught a flight from Paris to the French Riviera to rest, but the plane disintegrated in midair and all her board was killed. Only Joe Kennedy attended her funeral. The family was embarrassed because she intended to marry a divorcee. In 1963, newborn Patrick Kennedy dies, born premature to JFK and Jackie Kennedy. He only lived 39 hours. He was baptized as a Catholic and this curse, if you want to see it, a curse has already gone into the next generation. It was a terrible, terrible thing. In 1963, the greatest disaster happened to the people of the USA. JFK was assassinated. On the 22nd of the 11th, 1963, the president was assassinated in Dallas, Texas. He was only 46 years old and had only been in office for just under three years. His so-called assassin, Lee Harvey Oswald, was himself killed by a mafia hitman called Jack Ruby, who had connections with Sam Giancana, who had had business with Joe Kennedy, the father. JFK caused controversy while he was president because it was revealed that he was having a sexual relationship with Marilyn Monroe, as was Robert Kennedy later, who herself was found dead in suspicious circumstances. One thing I remember about JFK that when they bought the Hang on a second. I apologize. As the funeral cortege walked past, he stood there and saluted his father. I thought it was heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. In 1968, Robert Kennedy was assassinated. He was U.S. Attorney General in 1961 and 1964 and was a senator for New York. In 1968, he had his eyes on the White House and was a leading candidate for the Democratic ticket. On the 5th of June, 1968, he was shot dead by a man called Sahan Sahan, a young Palestinian who blamed Robert Kennedy for his pro-Israeli stance in the 1967 Six-Day War. Could you imagine this? The president and now the attorney general were both killed, both assassinated. In 1969, it goes on, Senator Edward Kennedy, known as Teddy Kennedy, left a party in July 1969 and offered a lift to another party goer called Mary Jo Kopechny. This is known as the Chappaquiddick incident. His car skidded off the bridge into the water. Kennedy left the scene and swam to safety, leaving his passenger, hallelujah, to die in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. This ruined his political career. He was given a two-month suspended sentence. That's all. And he was banned from 
driving for 16 months. He was shunned by most people about. He was known as a coward after that date, letting the woman die. In 1973, his son, Teddy Kennedy Jr., had his leg amputated. The next generation is now suffering from what we believe is a generational curse. Young Teddy was diagnosed with a form of bone cancer. His leg was amputated, but thankfully the cancer never returned. In 1984, David Kennedy, son of Robert Kennedy, dies of a drug overdose. He nearly died as a child from drowning, but fortunately Robert Kennedy dived in the sea and saved him. In 1973, he had a car accident. He became addicted to painkillers because of the pain he was suffering for his injuries and started taking cocaine as well as apoids to kill the pain. He died in April 1984. And finally, in 1999, JFK Jr. dies in a plane crash. He, is a, he was the one who, at three, was stood saluting his father as the funeral cortege went past. Hallelujah. In 1999, him and his wife, Carolyn, flew from New Jersey to Massachusetts to attend a wedding. The plane went missing and debris and wreckage was found along with their bodies on the seabed in the Atlantic. There was also other people who didn't hold the name of Kennedy. JFK had a sister called Patricia Kennedy. She married the British actor Peter Lawford. If you're my age, you can remember going to the cinema and seeing Peter Lawford. He appeared in a lot of Lassie films. And he was a great actor, but he married President Kennedy's sister. He had a son. His son became addicted to cocaine and addicted to all drugs. Peter Lawford was very perverted and he used to watch his son as he made love to his girlfriends he brought home. One day his stomach burst open as a result of the drugs he was taken. Hallelujah. I've given you an explanation of that because I want you to go away and decide whether you think that was fate, whether you think that was just bad accidents, or whether you think it was an ancestral or generational curse. Let's pray for you all now. Dear Lord God, I pray now for everyone listening to this program today. And we go back to the fall of man, to the Garden of Eden. We pray for the fall of man and through the generations, we pray for everyone on our mother's bloodline, everyone on our father's bloodline. And we pray, Lord, if anyone is listening to this program and they're still suffering the consequences of ancestral and generational curses, then we ask you, Father God, to deliver them today. 
every curse that has been caused by involvements in paramilitary organizations, in racist organizations, in Freemasonry, and any secret society, anyone who's been a member of the KKK or any racist group, we come against anyone who has been involved in sexual immorality, adultery, who has fathered children outside wedlock, but has brought any curses on us at all. I believe that as a child, I was so tormented by demons because of the generational curses on my own mother and father's family. And we pray now for our ancestors, Lord, each one of them that has sinned. And we pray, Lord, that even though some of them might be dead, we pray that the consequences of the sin they pass down through the generations be ended today and be wiped clean today by the power of the name of Jesus, who is truly our Lord and Savior. And we come to Jesus today, not trusting in our own righteousness, but in your divine and manifold mercy, Father God, Deliver mankind today, everyone who is born again, everyone who accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. If there are any ancestral or generational curses lingering, Lord, we forgive them who have caused these ancestral and generational curses now. And we pray, Lord, that because of the precious blood of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we are set free. We break all curses today of mental illness, of physical disability, of death, of shame and dishonor, of mental illness, and all ancestral curses today. Deliver us today, Lord. Set us free today. We ask you by the power of Jesus Christ, who took all our sins with him to the cross. And we pray this today in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I say amen. Powerful teaching today. And you know, Brother Michael, absolutely I believe that the Kennedy curse is real. Amen. God have mercy. Those things will run generation after generation until people... Confess the sin, renounce it, break those curses in Jesus' name. I had bloodline curses that were well underway when the Lord told me. In a dream, you and your brother have a generational curse need to break. And the generational curse had come in through Freemasonry on my dad's side, my great-grandfather, sadly. He was a pastor, too. Amen. Committed adultery with his secretary that broke up him and uh, great granny's marriage then he got back in the ministry later but never was quite the same and for some unknown reason three years before he died he became a mason and got up to master mason third degree died prematurely died at age 52 that curse of divorce adultery Freemasonry was unleashed. My grandfather, uh, he didn't fall in his dad's footsteps with Freemasonry, but it would claim him at age 58. My father, 
neither did he get into Freemasonry, but there was divorce and there was uh, womanizing. That went down the line, and uh, he died at 57. I know, dear. And I am uh, being tormented uh, mentally by demons. Mood swings, depression, heaviness. Uh, at the same time, running a successful business. Amen. But I knew there was something wrong. And I was living for Jesus. I was saved. Read my Bible. But I needed deliverance. And I needed deliverance from the curse. And I cried out to the Lord, Brother Michael. And uh, one night, I had fallen asleep on my couch. Woke up. It was Saturday morning. And I realized, whoa, I didn't make it back to bed. I fell asleep on my couch. First thing I did is I reached for my Bible. It was on the armrest. It was my King James Bible. I opened it up and don't even remember what I read. But as soon as I opened it up and laid my eyes on the Bible, the dream comes back. And I heard the voice of the Lord. You and your brother, Damon, have a generational curse you need to break. That's all he said. Amen. And I was like, whoa, that actually happened. My brother calls me two days later. He says, man, I got this book by Derek Prince called The Blessing of the Curse You Choose. Amen. I said, whoa, let me tell you about my dream. And then he told me that uh, our half-brother, Ryan, was attacked by a demon while in bed in Jacksville Ford in his condominium. And the demon choked him, and he screamed out Jesus a couple times. Finally, let him go, and it ran out, and it slammed the door behind it as it left. He was so traumatized, he had found his way to some workshop on breaking curses. God was speaking to us all, and it was a confirmation for each one of us and uh, knew nothing about how to break a curse. They never taught that Christians had demons coming up in the church, never saw deliverance. Just thought it was something that took place over in Africa for voodoo practitioners. Little did I know everybody needs deliverance. And um, Christians especially. But the good news is we can, uh, as believers, we can get deliverance and hold that ground if we stick with Jesus. And so make a long story longer. My brother Damon said, hey, I have this recording by Derek Prince. It's a prayer. Lead you through some renunciation of sin. And we went through it together. It wasn't a very lengthy prayer. But we covered some major bases there. Repented of ancestral sin, our sin. Asked Jesus to forgive us. Stood on Galatians 3.13. Broke that curse in Jesus' name. And let me just say the ball started then. Rolling. And... Uh, something broke there in the generational line and uh, that was the beginning of my search for more information on deliverance Amen. a few years later God would have us start this show in 2010 and learned a lot since then still learning more but I know we can break these curses in the name of Jesus if we'll repent of sin renounce these things that we've done our ancestors have done break them in the name of Jesus we can be free we can cast Amen. those demons out you know, it occurred to me, my father could have done it. Grandparents, but they didn't know what to do. They didn't know what they were bound up with. And sadly, they were killed for a lack of knowledge. The demons took them out, and me and my brother, were the brothers were the next targets. But God, I cried out, and he heard my prayer, Brother Michael. And he said, Amen. you and your brother have a generational curse need to break. These things are real. Amen. I just turned 53 in November and I was like this 
we broke the curse, I'm going to live to be 53. If I didn't, I'll be dead in all likelihood, like my great-grandfather who died at 52. And when I made it to 53, I said, praise God. And uh, I know, of course, we had dealt with this thing, but, you know, and if nobody deals with it, these things keep rolling down the family line. Somebody has got to stand up in the family and say, Lord, we've done wrong. And generally, the same sins the ancestors committed, those familiar spirits will try to get us to do the same thing. You know, there was, before this thing was broke, there was five generations of adultery and divorce in my family. That's horrible. Five generations of divorce, Brother Michael. And it started because of sin that was never dealt with. And uh, it brought premature death in, in the case of my family in this curse. And I would have been the next one to go, me and my brother. If I tell you, Ray, when my mother died, I wasn't a Christian. I attended church occasionally, but I wasn't born again. And the night my mother died, I will always remember it. I went into the room and uh, she had had lung cancer and she'd had her lung removed. And she started suffering from serious blood clots. And uh, just before she died, she sat up in the bed like a strong woman and there was a window next to the bed and she was trying to put her elbow through the window trying to escape and it was a terrifying sight now I don't know what happened did something come from her come for her I really don't know but my mother used to curse people she used to curse people she used to have loads and loads of enemies and I used to look after her because you see we were tough as a family nobody took liberties with us and we were tough and uh, but when I think of they never taught me anything good I loved them dearly but they never taught me anything that was worthwhile it was only when I found Jesus I started learning things that would lead me to knowing and loving the Lord our God so I'm glad I was able to preach that today and I'm glad people got the hang of I'm glad I, I hope people got the hang of what I was talking about Brother, what a powerful teaching today. Amen. Praise the Lord. Folks, are you enjoying these like I am? I know you are. I encourage you out there to share these with a friend. And uh, I really treasure this time with you every week, my friend. What a blessing you are. We're learning a lot, and you're making a big impact. Brother Michael, how do people make contact with you and your church? Also, is there a way they can support your ministry? Yes, there is, right. But one thing I wanted to ask you, is there anything that you would like me to research and preach on next week? Oh. Anything? Is there anything that you personally well, would like me to look at? That's a good question. i tell you what. Uh, everyone that you're doing is a home run for Jesus. Just keep going, Amen. my brother. Whatever the Holy Ghost All gives right. you is good okay. for me. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, there you go then. Well, if you want to contact me, you can, if you want to support me, you can support me. I have a PayPal account attached to my personal email, which is frame, F-R-A-M-E, Cummins, C-U-M-M-I-N-S, all one word, uh, 123-AOL.com. You can always make a donation there. I would be grateful to you. If you want to listen to me preach some more, you can look at the website of Kilburn Christian Fellowship, the church I pastor, which is a Pentecostal church, an evangelical church in northwest London. 
Uh, I've got about over 60 preachings there. I was criticized recently because people said there's too much deliverance preaching there. But that's what God's called me to do. Brother, those are just if demons. I, Don't listen to them. Yeah, <laughs> now if, I, if I can stop one single person who would have gone to hell, from be, and I can save him from hell, and he will enter the kingdom of heaven eternally, then I've done what God has called me to do. So if you want to listen to my preaching, you can go on the preaching and teaching page of Kilburn Christian Fellowship. Hallelujah. And Brother, also, I leave my mobile number if anyone's got any personal prayer requests. Yes. And and you wish to ring me, you can ring me on 07469-235351. And of course, add on that the code for the UK. This is a real pleasure what I'm doing now. I believe it's the greatest thing I've ever done in my life because I'm reaching so many of you with God's saving power of deliverance. Brother, so God bless you all. Oh my goodness, what a blessing you are. And um, keep doing what you're doing because that's what Jesus was doing. The Amen. last 72 hours, he was approached by some that were with Herod. They said, Herod's looking for you, Jesus. He said, go tell that fox that today I cast out devils and do cures and tomorrow and the third day I'll be glorified. Amen. What can we do greater than that? And you know what? There's such a lack of deliverance in the world, brother. We need somebody. <laughs> we need you uh, to help us. Yeah. Keep going. Well, That's all I have well, to Derek, say. Pr Derek Prince was one of the greatest. You know what? God bless him. And, God uh, bless him. He was certainly a forerunner. And uh, now we got you, brother. Keep up the good work. Uh, folks, you. Michael Cummins, um, brother Michael, we love you. We'll see you next love time. You, too. you want to close see us in prayer time. tonight? Go ahead. Yes, Lord. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we believe our generational curses are broken if we just confess them and confess the sins of our forefathers, and we shall be set free. Bless all those today. When people sleep tonight, if they have ancestral or generational curses on your life, like you did to Ray, speak to them, Lord. Wake them up and make them aware of what they need to do to break those curses. And we praise you, honor you, and glorify you, Lord. We magnify you and exalt you. We say glory to the Father, glory to the Son, glory to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and shall be forevermore, whole life eternal. God bless you all today. Be with you next week. Bye-bye. Good night, my friend. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Friends, that's going to be it. Keep me in prayer. I've got to go ahead and do uh, two TV programs tonight. We're going to start taping here in half an hour. God bless you all. We'll see you back tomorrow, God willing, at 7 Eastern. Thank you.